presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound, making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices, online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Yes, lots happening in harness racing. I just touched on a topic there a moment ago. Of course, massive night at Albion Park on Saturday night with the Oaks, the Derby and the Tab Blacks of Fate. Chris Barsby, good morning. Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Just on that, Chris, I don't want to harp on it. And as I said, we'll talk more about it after the carnival. But in regards to Albion Park and a new home for harness racing in Queensland, has there been any sort of firm announcements, re a new home at this stage and when that new home may be ultimately opened up? Well, Steve, I, I keep hearing we're only weeks away from an announcement on where the new home for harness racing is going to be. And I'm not underselling this, but this is the single most important decision that all harness racing people in this state want to know. They want the answer of where we're going, where we're headed. And, you know, they, they want to hear it sooner rather than later so they can put plans in place. So this is the single most important issue. Everyone's talking about it. We know what's happening with Albion Park. It is earmarked as a site for the 2032 Brisbane Olympics. So it's very important, but I, I keep hearing from those that are, you know, in the know that uh, it, it's only weeks away. Yeah, you can understand, I suppose, I'll wait till after these big races, Chris, to announce. But, but is that what you're hearing near the, in the Yatla area on the way to the Gold Coast, that, that, that precinct somewhere around there is, is keeps getting mentioned? Oh, I, I, Steve, I think that would be the, uh, the favoured, uh, you know, uh, area at this point in time. Um, you know, you keep hearing about that Western Corridor growing all the time with the number of participants that are based out that way. So I think it's either going to be south or west. So... Uh, where it lands, I'm not an, entirely sure, but uh, I would say probably that southeast corner would be uh, the favourite. And the other thing that's so important for the industry participants is, is it going to be purely a racetrack or is it going to be set up similar to Menangle where it's got the training facilities as well? Because as we know, the price of land is growing uh, so so high at a, at, at a rapid rate. So if we have that training for centre available with uh, large barns and stables close to this track, I think that would be a, a really good option for a lot of people. Uh, as we know, there's a lot of young people in harness racing. So, you know, to go out and get that loan, it's, it's not easy. Um, so to have those training facilities made available, I think that's another really important mm. factor. So wherever we land, are we going to get those training facilities with it? Chris, one thing before Nathan Purden joins us, he's on the line now. I just heard you yesterday uh, talk about something that I found very unusual myself. Can you explain about this colour situation there? Was it a, the latest start of a race yesterday? Well, I, I don't know what's happening, Steve, but this is becoming quite the norm now. So obviously the Keurig stewards send horses out onto the track uh, to go through their prelims. It happened last week at Redcliffe and it happened again yesterday. Normally it's with stable mates and uh, they go out with the wrong colours on. So as a race caller, there's nothing more frustrating, and I'm sure every race caller would attest to this, that you get those colours in your head when you're on the track going through their prelims and warm-ups, and then at the last moment there, just moments before they're asked to come forward and score up, the, the, the two drivers are swapping colours. So obviously there's a, a responsibility with the... Uh, the trainers and, and, and drivers, but ultimately, I think it you know sits with Curic stewards. If they, if they're going to send the horses out with the wrong colours on, or if they've got them mixed around, they shouldn't be allowed to go onto the track until it's rectified because it's very unfair and it's very frustrating. But it's becoming 
uh, quite the norm from Keurig stewards that they allow this process to happen. Okay. Well, obviously it was mentioned yesterday, so we'll see what, what does happen there in the future. Well, let's focus on the big night on Saturday night and a key player involved is Nathan Purden. He's with us now. Well, Nathan Purden loves the Brisbane winner. There's no doubt about it. He was the star of the show this time last year through the deeds of Amazing Dream. He won the inaugural Rising Sun. Two weeks later, he backs up and he takes out uh, the, uh, the the Tab Blacks of Fake. And he went within a whisker of claiming the inaugural edition of the Golden Girl with his two mares finishing second and third. So he, he's very fond of Brisbane. There's no doubt about it. He's got very good memories and he's online with us. Nathan, good morning. Good morning, Chris. It's like a second home for you in many ways, isn't it, Brisbane? Yeah, it's a great place. It's, um, oh, it's good to bring a, bring a team up here. And, um, you know, the, we had a lot of luck last season. And, um, you know, the, the carnival looks like it's it's getting stronger every year. So uh, let's hope it's that way. Well, you've won the Blacks of Flag last year with Amazing Dream. But a few years earlier than that, you won it with uh, your own horse, a hoga punter. You took the drive on that occasion yourself. So uh, it's a very special race, the Blacks of Fake. Yes, it is. Yeah, it always gets a great... Um, you know, the, the right horses turn up on the day and, um, you know, it's a, it is a great field and, um, you know, the, the best of them are drawn together. So, uh, no, it's, uh, the, the whole meeting is a, is a really uh, it's a great card. Mm. Let's talk about your runner on Saturday night. You've got the uh, the clear favourite for the Tab Queensland Oaks in a Moray Vita. She was unplaced last week in the final lead-up to South East Oaks. She had an awkward second row draw. Ultimately, it wasn't the draw that beat you. Uh, would, would you say that she beat herself? She just got a little too fierce mid-race? Yeah, I think so, Chris. Probably a combination of, of a few things. The, the speed they were going and, and probably the, the biggest thing was she got too keen through the run. Chris, is, um, Chris Alford made a, a big... Um, uh, well, I couldn't stress that enough. So uh, we've tried to help her through the week, but... Obviously, only with a seven-day turnaround, there's not too much we can do. But, um, yeah, that was probably the undoing of her at the end. Mm. Is that something that you're concerned about, the fact that she does get a little bit of revy in her races? Yeah, well, she's, she has been really good um, up until now. Probably the Redcliffe Oaks, um, when she really had to get used off the gate, um, that was sort of the... That brought it out in her. Um, up until then, she had been pretty good. Um, she was she could get strong, but she was never silly until now. So um, hopefully, you know, she's a very smart horse. So hopefully, she can uh, learn to come back to us. Okay, you've only had the week between last week and the Group One feature on Saturday night. You've drawn kindly at Gate Two. If you use her off the gate, and you're just a little fearful that she might rev up again. Yeah, well, it's, <coughs> it's a good and a bad draw, Chris. Really, it's um, you know, probably. At the stage, she is keen, so uh, we're going to have to use that to to our advantage and and um, let her run off as good as she can. And um, you know, hopefully, she gets to the market pegs. And you know, even if she gets pretty strong, you know, she's um, she proved in the in the Redcliffe Oaks she she can do um, do things wrong and, and still be pretty tough. So hopefully, um, you know, on the day she's she's a little bit more settled anyway. If Steno applies pressure, and she got really revved up out in front last week because that last 1,200 was just at a phenomenal speed. If she was, you know, keen on your outside, would you be inclined to sort of hand over or you're determined to hold the front if you find it? I'd probably leave that up to Chris, really, how, how she feels. Um, and as she really grabbed on, I, I don't think Chris will have any option. But, um, you know, on the day, um, I'm sure Chris will make the right call. Okay. How do you rate the opposition on Saturday night? 
well, obviously, uh, Steno's has drawn pretty good. Um, so you've got to really respect her. She's come on, you know, this time round, she's she's really come on with it. So she's a she's a pretty smart filly. Um, a couple of the ones to beat have have drawn back line, and um, you know, it's, it's going to be a very genuine run race. So um, you know, it's it, it's sort of hard to circle a, a field um, of that quality and and sit outside horses um, like Moravita and, and Steno. Um, and go on with it. So, um, look, it is a quality bunch. Um, you can't take anything away from from the opposition, that's for sure. But um, yeah, probably everything comes down with the, the right run on the night. Okay, just going back to last week with your filly. Yes, she got a little fired up mid race, but given the way that race unfolded sectionally, she would have had to be probably Lazarus and a little bit more. Twenty eight four, twenty six seven. That third quarter home in twenty seven eight. No horse is going to be, you know, overcoming a, a tough parked-out trip and winning in, under those sort of splits. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, um, you know, probably she's quite a light-framed horse and, uh, you know, I probably could have trolled her and, and she she probably would have been a little bit better again, I think. But that run certainly brought her on. She hasn't taken any ill effect from the run. So, um, you know, I think um, she's, she's in the right mindset this week anyway. Okay, you don't tinker with any sort of gear changes or anything like that? Uh, no, I've had a thousand things going around in my head all, all um, you know, from Saturday night till now, so uh, all, uh, on the day we'll sort of make something up. But, um, yeah, uh, we've tried a few things at home, and probably tomorrow when she has her final run we'll uh, be able to work it out. Okay. After Saturday night, you go back to Victoria. What are the targets down there? Uh, the first one's the, the Oaks the start of October and then she'll go on to the Breeders' Crown after that. Okay. What uh, what plans are we looking at for next year? Have you looked that far ahead? Uh, not really. Well, um, she can have a short let off after this um, after this run and um, she wouldn't be able to have too long but um, yeah, she might be able to have sort of two weeks and um, get her back to Victoria and, and then aim for those two races and um, make an assessment from there and hopefully she's fitting well and, and healthy and sound. Where I'm going with this, uh, just on the Rising Sun, we've had two editions now of the Rising Sun, Amazing Dream for you last year and this year Ladies in Red. So we've got a theme developing now with the girls coming out on top. Is that something that you can start sort of thinking or pondering now that maybe that's a long-term target for her next year and more AVT, given that the mayors get that preferential barrier draw? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I spoke to to uh, Steve Dolney's one of the part owners of the, of the filly, and um, you know, he'd be really keen on something like that too. I think she was 12 months away before she, um, you know, another 12 months on her, she'll she'll really finish into a nice horse. So, um, yeah, I think in that time frame she'll be able to handle taking on the boys. And as you say, they've got the uh, the barrier draw advantage, which is a huge help. And if we can just teach her to, to race kindly, um, yeah, I'm sure she's she's going to be competitive in the, in the open races. Can you make any comparisons between Amore Vita and Amazing Dream? Uh, well, they're sort of two different horses, really. Um, like Amazing Dream was very, very tough. Um, she, she beat the boys numerous occasions. Um, you know, her record spoke for herself. She's, she was unbelievable. But um, you get a, a more Vita is probably more of a... Um, athletic and, and faster horse, point-to-point speed, 
she's quite a bit faster than, than a horse like Amazing Dream. So they're two very different horses. Um, yeah, Amazing Dream, and she won over a million, and, and um, you know, she beat the boys um, a, a lot of the time. So and she can't work doing it too. So you know, she's had the moment. You know, she would have the edge over over a horse like her. But 12 months' time, um, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, potentially she could become your best horse that you put a bridle on. Well, that's a huge call, really, Chris. I, I wouldn't um, wouldn't go too far in saying that, but she's right up there with with the best ones anyway. I think if she keeps going down the same path, she is. Okay. How are you going, Nathan? Are you liking the life here in Australia? You've made the move from your your homeland of New Zealand. Uh, what what does the future hold for Nathan Purden? We've gone through this pandemic, so it was hard to get back to New Zealand to catch up with family and friends. Where do you see yourself in you know six to twelve months' time? Uh, well, we'll hopefully win the Breeders' Crown in six months. But um, yeah, we'll just sort of take it day by day and uh, enjoy the sunshine here in, in um, Queensland and get back and um, and target those races. But um, no, it's good following around the the, the circuits and, and you know have been lucky enough to deal with the, with horses like Amore Vita. So um, you know when you got her in a in your barn, um, you know it's very easy to get up in the morning and it sort of doesn't really matter where you are. Nathan, can we hear the Purd name more in thoroughbred racing into the future? <laughs> well, Dad, I know Dad's sort of pretty keen on um, on doing going down that line a little bit. Um, obviously, his his heart's in the in the trotting, um, you know, with the standard breeds. But uh, yeah, it's something he's always thought about doing for a long time, and um, I think yeah, he wouldn't mind doing a handful and, and seeing where it, what happened there. But um, yeah, but not me at this stage anyway. I'll let him test the waters. Is he tinkering around with one or two at the moment, however? Yeah, he is. Um, I don't know how far it's, that's going to go, but um, you know, that, that's sort of his next challenge anyway. He gets quite excited when you start talking about it. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting anyway. See see what he says in the future. He wouldn't have any trouble. We talked about this already this week, but he wouldn't have any trouble attracting clients given his reputation. Yeah, well, he's... he's um, sort of got the, the natural gift I suppose so uh, if anyone can work it out I'm sure he will but um, yeah it'll, uh, yeah, definitely um, as I say you can definitely sort of feel the, the excitement in his voice when he does start talking about it so um, you know who knows what the, what the mm. future brings there If an opportunity popped up Nathan for you to return to All Stars would you strongly consider it or are you happy doing your own thing here in Australia? Uh, well, it's sort of up in the air, really, Chris. I don't, um, I don't really know. Um, it's going pretty good here at the moment, um, so yeah, time will, will tell, really. Okay. Your dad was over recently for the carnival, the early part of the carnival. You guys were able to catch up. Yes. Yeah, it was great. We don't really uh, cross paths too often, obviously with the COVID going on, we couldn't get back. So um, yeah, that was a bit awkward, but. Uh, he got over here for a, for a week and it was really good to catch up with him and um, you know, sort of just go out and and uh, talk about the just the random things and sort of keep keep horses aside for a little bit. Well, he popped over last year for memory and he just jumped behind Amazing Dream to take the uh, the Rising Sun. So he holidays a little different than most, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he can't stay away. He loves it too much. That's nah, good stuff. Hey, really uh, appreciate the time this morning. Best of luck with this star filly, Amore Vida. She'll go around.
as the favourite for the Group 1 Queensland Oaks. He is hoping that everything goes to plan. No worries, Chris. Thank you. There's Nathan Purden, one of the young guns of the sport, the son of Mark Purden, the champion trainer. So he sends out this favourite. And currently with the tab right now, Steve, she's a dollar sixty. So a dollar sixty or more a Vita. And Chris Alford will be returning to partner her after being unplaced last mm. week. She just got too keen in that last twelve hundred. It was brutal last half, fifty-four five, and she was forced to do plenty of work. So she's got a much kinder draw here on Saturday night. Let's just hope that there's a. Uh, no sort of issue. She doesn't take anything out of last week and uh, she relaxes and, and produces her best because, as we know, she's probably one of the best, if not the best filly in the country right now, right up there with that Perth filly, wonderful to fly. Paul Fitzpatrick has a runner on Saturday night and it's in the tab blanks of fate. His name is Zeus Bromack and I thought sectionally last week he was outstanding in what developed into a real sprint home there in the Sunshine Sprint. Triple Eight was able to, uh, not Triple Eight, uh, Better Eclipse was able to find the lead last week. And it was a, a real quick sprint home there, in particular that last 400 metres, 26.8. Zeus Bromack was off the track, uh, you know, hitting the line strongly. His own individual sectionals were really strong. And trainer Paul Fitzpatrick is online with us now. Paul, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Chris. Were you happy with last Saturday night from that shocking draw? Yes, I actually I was. I mean, I, I was I watched him pretty close and I watched the replays and um, he was wide on the track, which isn't always easy. And I thought he hit the line well and um, and, and his form has been very good at home. So yeah, I was happy with him. Okay, what feedback did you get from Chris Alford last week, who who stepped in for Gavin, who stayed in Sydney? Uh, yeah, no, Chris was happy with him. He said he exactly right uh, when he came out. He was looking for some something to cart him into the race, and it never happened. And then when he went, he got pushed wide. But he, he was the same opinion. He thought the horse went nice and he hit the line very well. OK. Is this the target race? Last week would have been great, winning that Group 1 Sunshine Sprint. But this race over the longer journey, has that been the, the big grand final for him? Oh, well, yes. Um, I mean, we, we thought it, with a draw he was, um, had a chance in the sprint. But, yes, I'd have to say um, he's a very strong little fellow. Although he's only small, he's very strong. And uh, he loves the speed on. And I just thought the Blacks of Fate would be his race. Um, that's the real reason we came, yes. OK. It looks so open, this race. There's so many different likely scenarios. How do you see it on Saturday night? Oh, well, I mean, the front line's very, uh, very interesting, really. There's a lot of speed there. But plus, there's also a lot of horses who... Um, it's one of these scenarios, I think, uh, if you don't go forward, where do you end up? And um, so I think a lot of horses will have to go forward. I think it will be a very, very hard front line to gauge. But there's a couple of horses on there with really high speed off the, off the gate. So um, I, I can see probably about two or three early leaders, really. OK. Your initial reaction to the barrier draw, knowing that you've got another second-row draw to overcome? No, I'm not terribly impressed, but <laughs> that's how it is. Um, <laughs> obviously, uh, would would rather drawn better, but... Uh, the upside of that is that we won't be in the early um, rush, so so that's going to be good. Um, just if we can, you know, not be too far back, it'd be lovely. But not being in the initial rush is, is an asset, I think. Mm. Overall, he's been so consistent right throughout his career. He, he really puts in a bad one. He's now a five-year-old. He's a stallion. Is he fully matured? And is he at the peak of his powers right now, Zeus Bromac? I think so. Yes. Yeah. I think this year and next year is years. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, okay. he, 
I was very impressed with him at Menangle the, the start before he left. He, he travelled very good and he did it quite comfortably. And uh, he he loves um, he loves the speed on, you know. And uh, and I just think he's strong enough now that he can handle it. Okay, so the Inter Dominion later this year in Melbourne, that's obviously going to be a key target. Maybe even the Inter Dominion in Brisbane next year is going to be a long range target as well. Yeah, well. Um, the three runs in a week really suits him. He loves he loves racing, and um, we're all set to go to Sydney. And he just got cooked the week before, but yeah, that, that's the program this year. He he will travel. Um, he will try and do the big races this year, like our Carnival and the bigger races in Melbourne. And but yeah, the pinnacle will be the Inner Dominion. Okay, he's got a bit of swagger about him, doesn't he? He carries himself in in good order. Yeah, he doesn't know he's small, Chris. Yeah, he, he thinks he's pretty <laughs> wonderful. Absolutely. Now, Gavin comes up this week. He had commitments at Menangle uh, looking after the team back home and had some success as well, but he comes up this Saturday night? Yes, he will be, yeah. Yeah, no, he was always coming, you know, irrespective of where he drew, he was always coming this week. Okay. And, and he's trained on well this week since last week's Sunshine Sprint? Yes, he has. Yeah, he's done very well. I mean, he's in, like, a, a great place where we're at the Shannon's place and... Um, he settled right in, and, and he's very, very adaptable. He's a great eater and everything. So, he's, yeah, he's he's really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, I would think, you know, he'll be better this week than last week, really. Okay. Have you enjoyed being back in Brisbane? We haven't seen you in Brisbane. You once were a regular each and every year, but uh, since the pandemic, it's been tough. But are you enjoying being back in Brisbane? Yeah, it has. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, yeah, Lynn and I are up, we're up here for the 10 days, so it's wonderful. <laughs> I think the other day at home it was minus two. And um, so it's uh, it's been really good. And, and, you know, I've always enjoyed Brisbane and uh, we've been a bit lucky here. It's just, as you say, with the pandemic and uh, and the horses. You've got to have the right horse to travel. And uh, just at the moment, we've got a couple that, that we can do. Yeah, absolutely. You've had some great success up here. It's a Hall of Fame career. So... You know what's required to win these big races. It'd be great to get that Grand Circuit victory with Zeus Bromac. Oh, it would be, you know, because he, as you say, he's a stallion. If you could grab a couple of Grand Circuits along the way, you know, undoubtedly he'll go to stud. Um, it'd be it'd be wonderful for him to have good credentials. As we know, the Blacks of Fake is a, a combination of the Winter Cup and the Queensland Pacing Championship. You won the Winter Cup probably about 10 years ago now with Rowan Home. They would have been special memories. Oh, I was, yeah. I can, I can remember it like uh, yesterday, but uh, he was a wonderful horse rowing home. Um, but he had, a, he had a great draw. I think he beat with Sharky, if I remember right. And, um, yeah, 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 I can remember. It was pretty, pretty exciting times, it was. It was um, 10 years ago, is it? <laughs> I, I think <laughs> it's roughly flies. about 10 years ago, yeah. So not, yeah. not too far away, but, uh, yeah, good memories indeed. Um, of all the horses that you've trained, is Lombo Pocket Watch the best? Oh, you would have to say yes, um, because you talk about Zeus being consistent, and he, and he is. But Lombo was amazing, you know. Pocket Watch, he 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 was he was so consistent a horse, and he travelled. And uh, people don't realise that he um, in, his, in his two-year-old career, I think he had 19 starts, but travelled all over Australia, and uh, he did an amazing job. And um, people refer to him as a as um, a great juvenile, and, and he was, but he would have been a great horse. But, man, it's hard to do it at both ends. And uh, he's still the only million-dollar winner uh, as a juvenile. So um, I would have to say he's been a great, the best horse.
Yeah, and he took on the best. There was no shortcuts with him. Uh, every big race he lined up in that he could, he did. Took on all comers and, and came out on top. He did. He did. And and, um, and as I said, he did in, uh, I think, in the first, as a two-year-old, I think we went to four states. Um, pretty amazing for a young horse, you know. Yeah, well, that'd be right, because WA he started, then obviously New South Wales, he came to Brisbane, and then uh, Melbourne with the Breeders' Crown. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's probably his best run uh, in the Breeders' yeah. Crown. Uh, it was still, still an amazing race, and um, and that was his two-year-old career. Yeah, OK, so he ranks as number one. The other thing, gee, you've had some good mares. Which which mare do you have at the at the absolute top of the, the list? Oh, it's it's very hard, really, because um, you know we have been very lucky with mares and um, you know Dance for Life won two Oaks and that. But I, I think the mare that I really have a soft spot for, uh, who really never won a, a major classic, was Prada Corey. Uh, she was a great mare, you know, and um, really, really great mare. And uh, I, I just had a real soft spot for her along the way, but. Uh, outstanding ability and outstanding speed and probably ran a lot of places in a lot of big races but just never cracked the group one. Mm. Is there one that got away or one that we didn't see the best of through injury or, or something similar? What was one that you thought, this is going to be an absolute top liner but never quite got there for some unknown reason? Um, oh, I just can't think of one at the moment. I'm, I'm, undoubtedly there was. You know, you, you have a lot of uh, injuries along the way with those good horses because they tried so hard. I mean, one of the first horses I ever had, like the private dancer, she she was probably one like that. She won 12 out of 14, but she broke down as a three-year-old and did a tendon, and, and she was probably an amazing mare. Um, she was probably the best mare we had, yeah, now the, uh, the high speed that she has was amazing. But she, she would have to be the one that really never filled the potential. Okay. All right, well, I like the uh, the trip down memory lane and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Zeus. I thought he was uh, more than okay last week in that sunshine sprint. He looks like he's going to be a real threat on Saturday night in the Blacks of Fake. Really appreciate having you and Lenny in town and uh, we'll see you trackside on Saturday night. Yeah, lovely. Much appreciated. Thanks, Chris. Here's Paul Fitzpatrick joining us. So Zeus Bromac goes around in that tab Blacks of Fake and he's at a fairly generous price as well if you like one at odds. He's currently $21. So the favourite is Spirit of St. Louis. He's at $3 like a wildfire for 20 And as Gerard outlined from uh, tab yesterday, Gerard Daffy, there's been good early support for the Victorian, although uh, I'm, I'm led to believe he's still yet to arrive. So... Uh, it's a very intriguing race. Cam Hart is a busy man. There's no doubt about that. He's the leading driver in New South Wales. He's been a key part of the carnival uh, right throughout the last uh, six weeks or so. Now he came up for the uh, the Trot Rods finale, and he's been competing at each of the big meetings uh, throughout the carnival, not only at Rickliffe, but also at Albion Park. And as you would expect, he's got another big book of drives on Saturday night. He joins us now. Cam, appreciate the time. Yeah, morning, Chris. Uh, no problem. I want to talk about Majestic Cruiser. Uh, he's the one that just seems to be the sleeper going into the Grand Circuit feature on Saturday night. Uh, all of the runs so far have been full of merit. He's just sort of flying under the radar. Is it his time to shine on Saturday night? Yeah, Chris, we're really happy with the way he's going. And I guess sort of coming up here for the Winter Carnival, um, you know, his main aim was always the Blacks are fake. And, you know, Jason and I have been really happy with the way he's been ticking over each run and, 
uh, this is definitely his grand final come Saturday. All right. What do we take away from last week's Sunshine Sprint? Uh, it probably didn't play out the way that many expected, and uh, Majestic Cruiser ended up running sixth. He was only beaten seven metres, real quick last quarter. How did you break down the effort last week? Yeah, I was super happy with him. You know, he'd he done a power of work to, to get to the chair, and, and then, you know, his racing style, because he's raced so much in the Grand Circuit races last probably 12 months, he, he's used to kind of relaxing and probably not the best thing to be doing over the mile racing and you know he got to the chair and relaxed a bit and then you know it was a quite a slow third quarter and then just as if up the straight and um, yeah he wasn't far away and I was quite happy with his run. Is he better suited over this distance range on Saturday night the 2600 rather than that you know the hustle bustle of the mile racing? Yeah he can, he can race the mile as well but he's probably just more versatile um, over the longer trips, you can you can do a bit with him, or you, you can sit him up. Um, yeah, he's definitely probably out of this field. He's definitely one of the more proven stayers for sure. Yeah, it looks that way. Now, how does this front row look to you? You've got speed in too with Alter Orlando, and then you've got turn it up to your outside. But they're both handover horses, so you wouldn't expect connections of either of those runners to be holding over the longer trip. So. Does that sort of set up for you? Does it make it enticing for you to sort of make a play for the top here at some point? Yeah, we'll just play by year. Like you said, it looks like there's plenty of speed uh, inside and outside of us. So, you know, being the 2600, I'm I'm happy to, to drop him out early or slot him in or work forward. Like, it just depends on the pace and where everything ends up. But, um, yeah, he's not, he's not really known to be pushing forward and, and looking for the front. He's probably better off just working and maybe sit and run in line. Um, but, yeah, we'll just see how it plays out early. OK. Spirit of St. Louis, current favourite with Tab. Is he the horse to beat? Yeah, I definitely think so. You know, he probably had an off week a couple of weeks ago, but then he bounced back and was a bit unlucky, probably not to win last week in the sprint. So he's obviously proven at the highest level, um, a bit like our fellas. So, you know, he's come up with a good draw. I think he's definitely the one to beat. All right. What about the Victorian, the four-year-old, Better Eclipse? He's been huge so far this season. Fastest ever winner of the Chariots of Fire. Placed in the Miracle Mile. Uh, big second behind Ladies in Red and then really strong last week. Has he been a surprise packet or did you sort of see that coming a long way out? Yeah, he's such a talented horse and he's just taken the, the step to the Grand Circuit just um, unbelievably for a four-year-old and um, you know, obviously, I'm sure Greg's had a big opinion of him his, his whole career, but he's definitely come on the last six months. And, you know, his performances, um, you know, in the Chariots and the Menangle Carnival, and then to bring up that fo- sort of form again up here, it's been quite a season for him. Yeah, absolutely. But you're happy with Majestic Cruiser, and he's ready to shine here on the weekend. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, like I said, he, he performed well, probably against the best horses in New Zealand um, and you know, earlier in the year and, you know, really happy with his form. I think he's going just as good, if not better now. So, you know, the 2600's definitely, um, you know, it'll make it an even race and the best there will probably come out on top. Okay. Well, that's the Grand Circuit race. The other group ones, you've got drives in those as well. Let's start with the Derby. My ultimate, Ronnie. This guy looks all right. Um, I I thought he was more than okay last week in the South East Derby off an awkward draw. Your heart would have sunk on Monday afternoon when he came up with gate seven, the outside of the front row. But uh, he looks like he's a very progressive horse. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for this horse. Um, you know, he's he's had a really good preparation. He, he you know, didn't have to bust into uh, too much the first couple of starts in Sydney. He just, you know, got him up to this 
sort of level of racing. He had a nice little hit out when he won at Albion, and then last week he was really good sectionally. He couldn't have done much better. So, yeah, got a lot of time for him, and he's a versatile horse. He's he's quite tough, but he's got good speed as well. So, you know, I think I'd like to push forward early and, and see where we end up. Okay. Given the fact that Leap to Fame's off the second row, you obviously want to try and hold that advantage at uh, at, at some point? Yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, it was quite disappointing when the seven come up, but one thing in our favour was Leap to Fame ended up on the back row, so that gives us a few um, few options probably early to try and stay in front of him and give ourselves a, a good chance of getting in a good position. Is Leap to Fame the horse to beat? You chased him home in the New South Wales derby. Is he the the number one seed here on Saturday night? Yeah, for sure. He, he's such a talented horse and, you know, he blew him away in the derby in New South Wales and, you know, his runs um, up here this time in has been un- unbelievable as well. I thought he was really good in the Rising Sun and then, you know, he did a bit of work last week and only just got done. So he's definitely um, our main danger. Okay. In the Group 1 Queensland Oaks, the Iron Lady, uh, she, she finished towards the rear last week, ninth behind uh, Racy Roxy, but Barrier one, that, that's a that's a game changer for her on Saturday night. Yeah, definitely. You know, she was one off the fence Saturday night. She just didn't quite handle the track. And Jace said he's made a couple of little gear changes this week. And to be on the fence is a big advantage. And that draws perfect for her. You know, she probably lacks a little bit, um, you know, of ability on, on you know, more Aveda and fillies like that. But with the draw, she's definitely a good top four chance. Well, you drove a Moray Vita when successful in the Reckliff Oaks uh, two starts ago. Do you think she's got the speed to lead? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, she um, she came out good at Redcliffe, and I'd say she'll be leading. Okay. Steno uh, might make it interesting because uh, that last 1,200 last week in the Oaks, that, that was frantic speed. Yeah, definitely. They, they rolled a really strong last 1,200, and that's probably when my girl probably didn't handle the track as well when we are going that quick. But... Um, yeah, no, she's a she's a talented filly as well, and you know it's going to be a super race. All right, the last of the group ones is the Trotters Cup, and you've got the inside gate here with Doc Your Cat. Uh, he looks okay. He's a giant horse. Um, barrier one. This is this is obviously music to your ears. Yeah, definitely. I was, you know, pretty confident. Um, you know, Jared gave him last week off and freshened him up, and he said he's. Uh, you know, working the house down. So to come up with the barrier one, he's got good gate speed and, you know, it's a really strong race and, you know, horses like Credit Master and Tough Monarch are drawn well as well. But, um, you know, he's versatile, so we can get him out of the gate and whether we want to hold hold up or, or take a sit, we've got options from there. Okay. Hindsight is a, is a wonderful thing, but just skipping last week, uh, that could be really important going into this race on Saturday night. Yeah, definitely. You know, he... He had a couple of solid runs, you know, he was coming off the 30 handicap over the stands and, you know, he was making up plenty of ground and, and probably had a couple of pretty solid runs there. So just to freshen him up and have the week, you know, in between, it's definitely going to be good for him, I think. How much gate speed does he have? Yeah, I think he'll hold um, quite comfortably. He's he's pretty slick out, so um, that's not really a worry. And, you know, I think he'll he'll uh, he'll be able to lead if, if I want to, but we'll just see what the pressure's like. All right. Have you enjoyed the carnival? Yeah, it's been great. You know, I'm really enjoying the weather up here. It's a bit nicer than Sydney and, you know, the racing's been so competitive and, you know, it's always good when everyone, you know, across Australia gets to the one spot and with all their best horses. So, no, it's been great racing. So, in any way, has it surprised you how competitive the racing is up here in Queensland? No, not really. You know, um, 
you know, every year it seems to be getting stronger and stronger. And, you know, um, you know the locals have got plenty of nice horses here. And then, obviously, you've got us guys from Sydney and Melbourne. Like, it, it was always going to be tough. But, no, I love, um, you know, driving on the in the big races and on the big stage. So, that's been a really good time. Do you enjoy driving Albion Park? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a good track. It's probably been a little bit tough to make ground on just um, running so many strong sectionals, but I've been enjoying getting a few on the front end and uh, you seem to be pretty hard to run down when you can get you know up on the on, on the speed here. Are you more inclined to be a 1,400-metre-sized track driver or do you still like the, the traditional 1,000-metre-size oval? Yeah, like my obviously my local track's been angle and I'm sort of used to the style of racing there, but I still like the thousand metres as well. Probably just, you know, especially over the longer trips, it brings a bit more probably tactical racing where Menangle's more speed racing. So I enjoy both styles. All right. You've got a full book of drives just looking at it at Penrith tomorrow night. Do do you shoot home and and fulfil those obligations or are you based here all week? Yeah, I was going to be based here all week, but I ended up... um, Wayne Dimmick's got a nice little two-year-old in the last race there that I, I didn't want to miss out on. So um, it's worked out all right. I've got a full book, so I'll quickly dash down there and then get back here for Friday. So, um, yeah, looking forward to getting back home. Excellent. And the news from uh, North America last weekend, new world record, Bulldog Hanover. Does that just keep, you know, gnawing away at you, that, uh, that desire to get up there and have a bit of a look around? Yeah, definitely. I'm keeping a bit of a close eye on the racing over there and, that was unbelievable. He's such a good horse. You know, he's just a powerhouse. And, uh, yeah, I like to keep a bit of an eye out. And I'd love to get over there one day for sure and, and get amongst it. Yeah, well, I think it's only a matter of time. Uh, as I said, it's been great having you compete uh, right throughout the Tab Constellations. Uh, unfinished business still with Saturday night to come. Hopefully there's a grand circuit victory and some Group 1 glory for you. But I uh, really appreciate it and uh, continued success. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Here's Cam Hard joining us. So uh, a very busy driver, leading driver in New South Wales, and he's got uh, several key chances there on Saturday night, the final night of the the, the Albion Park Carnival. Darren Clayton is uh, feverishly doing all the form for these big 10 races on Saturday night, four at a Group 1 level. He's online with us now. Darren, good morning. Yeah, morning, Chris. How are you this morning? I'm really well. What was your first take uh, with the barrier draw for the Grand Circuit race, the Tab Blanks of Fate? Um, yeah, it's funny, some of those barriers, they just seemed to know what barrier they were going to get. That was probably a little bit interesting. And then, um, yeah, I thought perhaps better eclipse drawn inside the second line. I think that might be, um, might just put him out of play a little bit. He's going to have to come from a long way back now, I think. Um, he's going to get buried, you'd expect, um, more early look, I think, turn it up, gets to the front, um, possibly Aldo Orlando first, turn it up second, and then if he hands up, you know, that puts triple eight four back defence and better eclipse probably five back and, and probably looking for a way off. So um, I thought Colt 31 probably gets a nice run through. Zeus Bromack probably gets the nice trip then thereafter, I thought. Um, he's got good good closing speed and um, interesting hearing you talk to Paul Fitzpatrick there. He is only... Went down and had a look at Zeus Bromack in the in the stables on Saturday night. He is only a little fella, but um, I don't know he's, he's all man. Of, he's well, he's got a, a bit of little man syndrome. He was doing plenty of squealing <laughs> out down in the stalls, that's for sure. 
Just making sure everyone knew that he was here. That's uh, that's for sure and certain. Uh, and just with the tab market, uh, Spirit of St. Louis went up the favourite. Were, were you comfortable with that after the, the draw? Yeah, I think from where he's drawn, he certainly was better last week. Um darting along the fence but I, I think then you look at the fact of of how um sort of peg dominate dominated the whole night was um i don't think you can probably get too caught up in in just you know it wasn't a, a super effort it was it was definitely good enough and um he grabbed second he went past turn it up i guess which is a good bonus so um just not sure where he ends up to from gate three chris um like Aldo Orlando, like I said, probably gets first to the pegs. Maybe Spirit of St. Louis can just sort of dart through and get in front of him first, but um, and then maybe try and hold, turn it up. But I think uh, Shane Graham was when he had choice of 12 or 6 left to get, and um, he was pretty confident that being on the front line was the place to be with turn it up. What about the inside? Last we spoke to uh, about this earlier in the week, uh, Darren, in regards to horses on the pegs. Uh, just on you, Chris. What was the story there yesterday at Albion Park with the, the winners there? No, I thought it played fairly. I stick with my theory, Steve. I think it's just the evolution of racing. I think we're we're so competitive and it's so hard, especially this time of year as well. And with a, a sprint lane. Uh, in use at Albion Park, the, the, the pegs is the spot to be. So I, I don't think it's peg-dominated and a real leader-biased uh, track. I, I think that's just the way the racing is. When horses up front are running home in 54 seconds, the, the, the only way you can make ground is taking the shortcut. So that's the way I see it. I, I don't think it's peg-dominated. I think it's just the evolution of racing. Darren? Yeah, well, I maybe just alter the way I sort of... Um, the way I say it, like when I say peg dominated, I, I just mean that that's where the placings are filled. I, I'm not suggesting that it's biased there, I, and I agree with Chris. It's the way they run, um, and the fact is, quite often, a lot of drivers are content to run a really quick third quarter down that back straight at Albion Park, which puts the chasing pack pretty much out of play. They're, that's when they need to make their run, and if if a if a leader's running a twenty six and a half twenty seven quarter down the back, you're trying to come wide. That's just that just puts you out of play altogether, pretty much. And that's why we see those horses along the fence sort of get their opportunity and get out. So yeah, I, I'm not I'm not suggesting there's bias there. It's just the way that the racing mm. is actually run, and and the way that the drivers. The drivers know that, and and that's the way they beat those back in the pack. They know that if they run a quick third quarter, um, that they can get them get those ones back in the pack that need mm. to come wide beaten. And I, I, it's a case. It's a bit of a fine line. Sometimes you've got to have the right horse if you're in front to actually how fast you go that third quarter. Sometimes we see um, they overdo it and get and get run down. But uh, a lot of the time they they know what they're horse is capable of it and that's why they they win the race mm. so in saying that would you be including horses that you know you probably can't have on form but if they, they could potentially be in the right spot there on the weekend like was the case with a few outsiders last week or many outsiders for place money but definitely doesn't change the way i look at a race in terms of uh, winning chances like you take a horse like racy roxy for example um in all fairness she was probably way over the odds from where she was drawn she um you know, won the the Q-bred Breeders race two starts ago. The only sort of extra horses into the field were sort of Steno and Amore Vita, and she's drawn to get that peg run. So, 
you know, there's a case of hindsight being a wonderful thing. You look at that and go, well, you know, she was way over the odds of where she was. The week before, Town Echo uh, had drawn gate one and, you know, I was expecting her to lead. She'd shown good gate speed and uh, thought she was a good chance in the Fleur de Lille race. She just got crossed early and ended up being three back on the pegs. She gets the 1-1 one, one there on Saturday and, you know, it's a case of a different trip and, you know, she wins at $80. So I guess there's certainly a case of looking at it and going, well, yeah, hindsight's good. How did they actually go off at that price? Mm. Yeah, and, the, and the East Coast of Australia, the three metro tracks all have sprint lanes and everyone waxes lyrical about how competitive the racing is in Perth, but it's a completely different beast over there. It's a half-mile track to start with and there's no sprint lane. So, um, you know, it's... You've got to compare apples with apples, and uh, sometimes I think we're comparing apples and oranges. But I think just the evolution of racing. And my point is, like Bulldog Hanover went forty-five eight, um, winning that or breaking the world record. And those that finished behind him were all on the peg. So does that make the Meadowlands leader dominated as well, or peg dominated? So, and and it, 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 it is. It just comes down to the to the horse and the race and, and yeah. um, how they're driven. And, and these drivers now, they're, you know, they're driving so much more often than they used to in, in previous years. They're, you know, um, if you look at the amount of drives, the top drivers in each state are having in, in a 12-month period, like it's probably double and three times what the top drivers were having 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And I, I'm sure if they, you know, wanted to, you know, do a little bit more with the camber on both you know, the top turn and the bottom turn, they'd be regularly breaking 50 up here for sure. Um, so, you know, it all, all comes down to a number of different things. But, uh, yeah, that's just the way um, I, I sort of see it. So I, I don't buy into that peg-dominated sort of um, talk like a lot of other people do. But anyway, um, we'll uh, we'll keep talking about these races on Friday, the big ones on Friday, because you're still going through the form uh, at this point. You've done the form for tonight uh, at Redcliffe. We've got a big program coming through there. Uh, there's 10 races. We start at 5.22. Where do we find your best bet? Yeah, I thought we'd go to the last leg of the quaddy. And uh, last I looked, we could get still get black figures, which I thought was a good price for number five, Soul Writer. Um, first, first up back in Queensland, this time with Jonah Hutchinson. Uh, two starts back. She's a great gate speed mare straight to the front. And, and that was the end of the section. Beaten by the second line last time out. She's got gate five, moves into gate four with the early scratching. And the booking of Pete McMullen is a, is a big plus here as well with Jonah taking the drive on one of his other horses in the race. So I thought race eight, number five, Soul Rider, looked a good thing. Okay, currently $2 with Tab. Uh, is there another horse that stands out tonight? In, uh, in race number three, horse number seven, Rock and Roll de Gama. Um, he had to do it tough last time out and um, didn't really think that was that was his best go, but he proved too strong and it was a good win. He loves being on the pegs, either behind the leader or three back the pegs. I've mapped him to be behind the leader here. I thought that leader gets him to the passing lane and uh, I thought he'd be too hard to beat there in race three. Horse number seven, Rock and Roll Da Gama. Okay, currently $3.80, $1.50 the place with tab fixed price now. Give us some numbers for the quaddy. How do we play it? 
Yeah, first leg, um, you can play really wide here and throw plenty of darts. This is wide open, that first leg. I've got number nine, three max on top, starting to hit some form. She's won her last two. Never, ever bend. Number eight can certainly be running on. Uh, the front line looks a bit of speed and pressure there, so number one, Water Reactor, might just be in just in behind it. And also throw in number six, Abby Diadema. So one, six, eight, nine, that first leg. But I think you could certainly play wider as well. Uh, the second leg, we'll just go one out here with number one, Furiosa. This is a maiden race. She's been runner-up at her past two. Um, last time behind Call-Off Noir. Call-Off Noir, we see go around as the favourite in race one. So um, that looks certainly a good race for Furiosa, especially where she's drawn with her gate speed. Uh, the third leg, race seven. Um, remember, Eve will certainly be tough to beat from gate one. She's done a super job for Chris Frisbee. Came up here a maiden. She's now won five of six at Redcliffe. And um, the one time she was beat was over the 2040. She's back to the sprint troop here. Two feel the thrill can certainly uh, give a sight, I thought, as can numbers four and six. So uh, go a little bit wider there, even though, remember, Eve probably does get every chance. And in the last leg, we'll bring it home with the best bet, number five, Soul Rider. Okay, so just repeating those numbers for the quaddy races, five, six, seven, and eight. First leg, one, six, eight, nine. Second leg, one only. Race seven, the third leg, one, two, four, six. And we bring it home with number five only there in that final. So $16 for 100% of the dividend. Yeah, that's right. And uh, you certainly skinny it up a little bit in that third leg with Remember Eve or or definitely open it up a little bit in race five. That's a really open race, I thought. Okay. Last one before I let you go this morning, uh, Darren. No doubt you would have uh, watched the replays of the trials yesterday. Rip's a really intriguing horse. Uh, he's probably been the uh, the disappointment of the Tab Constellations, and I'm not being negative, but um, he, he failed at Redcliffe in the derby there, didn't handle the track, and finished at the rear of the field in the Rising Sun. He's a dual Group 1 winner. We know how good this horse is. Uh, they, they skipped last week's South East Derby. They're concentrating on Saturday night's feature, the Group 1 Queensland Derby. Uh, he's got a tough gate, the outside of the second row, but he was back at the trials yesterday, come from behind victory in 55 27-4, 27-8. The splits on the way home. What can we expect from Rip on Saturday night? He really is the intriguing runner, Chris. Um, I don't think his run was too bad at Redcliffe where he wasn't suited, and then um, in that rising sun, he just beat himself. He got all fired up and, and just um, he's still learning to be a racehorse. He's only had nine career starts. So, um, yeah, I think we'll see a better performance. My big concern with him on Saturday night is just the 13 furlongs. I don't think at this stage of his career he's seasoned enough to run that distance uh, at the speed he's going to need to, to put it in all the way. He's a very nice horse and has been from day one. I just think perhaps um, after the, the two runs that he has up here, has had up here, I'm just not sure whether it's really um, in his... Whether he's going to be able to bounce back in a race like a Queensland derby, I, I think it's going to be too far ahead of him. But um, he's, he's going to be thereabouts, you know, but I, I think not this week. I think leap to fame... I can't believe that Leap to Fame has been um, unseated as the favourite. I think Leap to Fame yeah. is a really good... I'd, yeah, I'm I'm super keen Leap to Fame on Saturday night after his two runs. This has been his race, and, I, yeah, I'm really surprised that he's not the favourite.